When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, FPL managers? Welcome to a new video from Fantasy Football Scout. We're off the back of game week 12, and it was a pretty high-scoring one, wasn't it? And I'm here with FPL Sonaldo, otherwise known as Andy. Uh, I'm joined uh, by 813-point uh, manager and a really good rank. How are you doing, buddy? Very good, very good. Uh, Ted, uh, first, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, big fan of your charts and graphs, and your eloquent speaking so a uh, big fan of you first of all and appreciate the uh the bold introduction there because it seems like it's going to be downhill from here on out but uh had a very good week to say the least oh it's a pleasure having you on buddy and i always have to try and get someone on who's got a better rank than me so uh you know. <laughs> but as as Ad said on um breakfast club it's not that hard to do <laughs> yeah but yeah thank you for your kind words i don't think uh, i consider myself that eloquent but um more of a bumbling mess but there we go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean game week 12 was fun right i mean um obviously you got a good score we'll go for your team uh pretty shortly and we've got um a lot of discussion about uh a certain mr son and um harry kane we were watching spurs yesterday and I love that you've got the Son shirt, uh, your namesake in the background. We're definitely going to talk about those guys, whether to keep them going forwards. Um, obviously, they've got some good fixtures, so that might be pretty self-evident. But Spurs didn't look that great, did they? Um, it was a bit of a bit of a mess, but hopefully they improve, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, a lot to say on, on Spurs. I, you know, when you told me before this recording or you know this live session. That we were going to speak on Spurs, I tried to put everything together, but uh, just just so many things. So hopefully, I can kind of summarize my thoughts. But um, you know, quite disappointing, and and a second, a, a tale of two halves, pretty much. So hope you know. Let's get into it later. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a classic tale of form versus fixtures. I think mm -hmm. the eye test wasn't particularly promising. But um, the rest of the schedule for the video, we'll look at the key fixtures um, for the for all teams in the next six matches. We'll look at uh, premium options about whether Salah's still the one to have and whether we need anyone else for the net for the near future. Uh, we'll look at wing backs in particular and how much value they're providing compared to maybe some other positions. We'll look at forwards, seeing maybe where any sort of budget forwards can now provide some value instead of maybe the likes of Tony or Antonio, which are pretty prevalent in our sides. And we'll finish off by looking at the shot map, average shot distance, all that sort of stuff. Uh, which might give us some insight as to some players that might be flying under the radar. But in the meantime, let's have a look at how Andy got on in game week 12. Oh, what a score that is. 88 points and a big green arrow, right, Andy? A big, big green arrow. I went from, I think, 119k all the way to 58k. So, nice. uh, you know, it just goes to show that um, one week at a time and you can chip away and um, you know, I had a session with Pross last week, a video session, and he said something very insightful where, um, you know, for managers, you know, over 100K and under 500K, uh, he's not too worried. As long as you can get to that three, four, 500K mark by mid season of FPL, 
uh, he thinks that anyone can get into the 100K at least and possibly the top 10K if, if some luck follows you. So, um, you know, for those managers that might be lower in the ranks, I certainly advocate to continue grinding, grinding out results uh, week in, week out. Mm. 100%. I don't think I've ever been this high at this point of the season. Um, mm. It's really nice to have this foundation to build upon. When we're, we're only a third of the way through you know, yeah. two thirds left to affect that rank. And I think both of us should be really, really pushing for that top 10K at least. Um, yeah, and sure. it's super competitive at the moment, of course. But um, I, I've definitely given you a bit of a, 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 a boost to your rank, by the way. I think it might be a, a um, what's the word, a spell error or something. Uh, okay. but I put you down at 51,000 just to look, give you a boost. I think that oh, might nice. be your, your <laughs> rank um, before auto sub. So there we yeah, go. yeah sub yeah we'll take it though you take it <laughs> i'll take it any day i'll take it any day <laughs> nice one we'll talk us through your team um and mm. what have you got two free transfers this week i do um i did i use uh, i didn't use a transfer last week and um so i have two free transfers but i'm really lost i i really don't i really like the setup of my team um you know i got a lot of slack on twitter uh, when I revealed my team before the deadline, because everyone's saying, oh, Sonaldo doesn't have Sun. Um, and maybe I can clarify it here. Uh, I did have Sun in my wildcard in eight, and then uh, he had that COVID scare. So I kind of, you know, moved away from him. And sometimes it's just naturally, you know, a sequence of events led to me having Kane um, without getting into too much details. But I think it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because uh, I was more focused on getting guys like James Chilwell and, um, you know, Trent and Cancelo and really investing in the wing backs as we will speak on and uh, an opportunity to hop on Jota and Foden as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of luck um, has been involved, but also some 50-50 decisions that went the right way. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, getting on those wing backs early on has, has really been uh really useful to you and now i think everyone wants as many wing backs in their team as possible so a 442 mm -hmm. formation which i normally hate is becoming mm -hmm. so like the thing to have and i guess it's like these wing backs we can't really perceive them as defenders we, we sort of have they're like midfielders with or even strikers really nowadays with um with some de defensive clean sheet potential so Massive readjustment of perception needed, I think. And um, the fact that you have all four of the key options in your team already, really strong position. Mm. I love that you played Foster, by the way, with that cheeky <laughs> assist at the end. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, obviously very lucky with the assist, right? But I I was a little, like, maybe getting greedy because I felt like he could have come, come away with a clean sheet uh, watching that game. Um, but the foster call, like, I thought, um, you know, it was a minimal, maybe a one point two point difference, right? And I just thought, like, I have three Liverpool players. I want them all to do well. I don't want to hedge my bet here. And it was a tough decision, but I'm kind of proud of it because two weeks ago, I started Foster over Ramsdale when he had that, you know, double digit haul. So um, sometimes those past biases like linger in your head. Right. So um, I'm, I'm kind of happy. I decided not to let that affect me and it worked out this time, but moving forward, I'm very happy having Ramsdale on my team. Mm. Credit to you. I was going to bring up the point where we all played Foster ahead of Ramsdale and Ramsdale completely punished us. So, I mean, complete credit to you for actually, you know, going against the grain and playing um, playing Foster because, I mean, Man United, you know, they, they could have 
got a few goals and, and they they might have on another day um exactly but uh, yeah you just got to take your luck when it comes i mean a foster assist so you obviously never imagine that in your wildest dreams but <laughs> the, well, you know the, these are the yeah. things that make you season this is this is the reason why yeah. we enjoy fpl for these sorts of moments so mm-hmm. i think i'm really jealous of your team to be honest we don't have two dissimilar teams it has to be said but i kind of want to move to four at the back with this with this four and i mm-hmm. think judging by the spurs game yesterday i think kane owners are probably a little bit more happy than son owners right now mm-hmm. um we'll talk about spurs we'll, we'll keep pushing we're procrastinating talking about spurs <laughs> until we actually don't talk about them <laughs> But yeah, I I think you're in a really good position and I suppose it's like a blessing, well, it's like a blessing in disguise, isn't it? Not knowing what to do with two free transfers because your team's so good. (laughs) No, Ted, uh, you know, this is the first time I think ever where I'm in a position where I literally think I'm going to burn the transfer. And there's like this bias about like having two free transfers, you should never burn it because every transfer is, is valuable. But I'm learning to be more patient this year, and I just feel like I don't see an exact move to make right now. Um, so I'm going to let the Champions League games play out and kind of decide probably towards the end of the week. Oh, my God. The prospect of burning a transfer. That makes me <laughs> squirm, writhe in <laughs> horror. I think you could probably do something. If you if you, if you you uh, get to the point where you're like, I'm not going to do anything this week, surely you can do something like move Brownhill to... Norman uh, um, Norwich, who's actually a little bit more exciting than Brownhill or Gilmore even, who knows? I mean, it's uh-huh. like the most dullard transfer ever, but if you're going to burn it anyway, you might as well do it. You got to uh, thumbnail this moment and then put it in the description because uh, Ted Talks FPL just <laughs> convinced me to make a Brownhill <laughs> transfer. So uh, hopefully it pays off if it if I actually end up doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can uh, come back to me when Norman magically comes off your bench for like thirteen points as third yeah. sub. That would be incredible. I think personally, probably the weak link in your side is in Burmo. Um, yes. I mean, probably the the Brentford boys just in general. I'm I'm kind of like looking to get rid of Tony at some point, mm-hmm. but um, if you maybe had one transfer to make, maybe it would be in Burmo. But um, how would you get someone you liked without making another transfer? So that's another dilemma that you'll, you'll have. But If I can quickly speak on that, Ted, um, of course, yeah. it's, a, it's a great point you brought up because that was my 100% transfer this week. And I was you know, thinking of doing Mbumo to um, Gallagher, and I had that in mind, and I have 0.4 in the bank, so it was a perfect transfer. And I remember just waking up on Sunday and seeing the price change, and now I'm priced out of it. So, ah. so it's tough. Now I don't know what to do, pretty much. Mm. That's super annoying, because I think mm. the move to Gallagher probably does make sense with Palace's fixtures being all right mm-hmm. at the moment. So, yeah, that's annoying for you. Um, and if your team, the rest of your team is so good, then it's difficult to, to change it without accommodating a move for, for, for a from Mbwemo. So that's uh, an interesting one. Right, let's mm. let's move on to my team. Um a paltry 83 points, which which is not <laughs> I was pretty happy with that until I saw your score. But hey, that's um, a beautiful score. <laughs> another I had a big green arrow as well, went up from 125k to just under 80k. Uh, which is obviously fantastic. And um I guess the difference between our score was mainly that you played Foster and you had Chilwell's points instead of my Jimenez points. Um, 
And I, I count myself pretty lucky to get those Jimenez points because Jimenez just sort of doesn't do anything in the game and then suddenly it's one chance and he's just so, he's so good. That it, I mean, did you see the finish? It was so clinical. Marvellous finish. Yeah. Great finish. Um, he's one of those players that his stats aren't particularly good at the moment, but obviously we're going to keep because he has Norwich and, and Burnley next. But then after that, I think he's um, he's probably on the chopping block because I think Wolves fixtures get pretty difficult after that. So definitely got to keep my eye on some forwards. Um, and whether whether a move away from three forwards is the is the way to go. Um, I think it probably is. Maybe a move to to Chilwell uh, at the back would would be my first choice. But I've got to got to try and figure out what to do though. Uh, I have two free transfers, so I can facilitate that move. Um, the problem is. It probably means getting rid of Antonio, and um, which isn't the worst thing. Which isn't the worst thing. I mean, he's got City and Chelsea in the next three, and um, but the problem is, I probably should have got rid of Antonio like three weeks ago when everyone else sort of did. Well, presumably you did as well. Yeah, I need to give credit where credit's due because uh, I know your guest last week was Late Riser, and uh, um, you know Late Riser has a lot of. Inf- I-, I love the guy, right? It has a lot of influence in my. Um, you know, FPL, I guess, life. And uh, yeah, I saw him make the move. And I thought if a you know, top manager like himself is, is doing that, there's got to be a reason. And I think I got very lucky with it. Um, because remember, I think it was game week nine or 10, he kind of, you know, assist passes to assist two times in a row, I think. So um, Antonio could have hauled that game. And I feel like uh, I've been very lucky to get away with it. But in your situation, it's a tough call. Like, you know, there's three game weeks before his fixtures get good. Uh, I know that some people are saying to hop off him and get, you know, it's okay to wait till game week 18 as well, if that's an option. But um, yeah, I think it's a very tricky situation with the Antonio. Mm. Yeah, it is. I mean, the couple of options that I have available to me are things like Antonio down to like a Josh King and uh, mm-hmm. Ben White up to Chilwell. I'm point one off getting Pen- Benteke. So Kev Saunders in the chat asking about Benteke. Yeah, I, I although that I just can't bring myself to bring in Benteke <laughs> into my team. It's just ridiculous. Why not? I love Benteke. Yes, he's he's great. <laughs> um, is he? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, the, perce- the perception about Benteke is that he just can't mm-hmm. string a few games together while he's yeah. scoring regularly. And obviously he scored two at the weekend, but which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, he is in a little bit of form and Palace are free-flowing. So he isn't necessarily the worst option ever. And, I mean, the forwards aren't exactly setting the world light either. So I kind of have to consider him. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe Josh King as well, because the move from Antonio to effectively Chilwell in the starting eleven means that Ben White on my bench becomes, I don't know, like Josh King or something. So I'm gonna mm. bench him anyway. And and Watford's fixtures are poor. So mm. um I wouldn't it wouldn't be the end of the world if I just ended up benching like someone like Josh King. I, that those moves don't fill me with a huge amount of satisfaction though. And I think getting Chilwell was the priority probably, but again with you, it's quite difficult to facilitate the, the right move because it doesn't feel quite right so mm. i'm gonna have a, a long a long think about it um what what i will say uh ted is looking at your team i don't think you need to stress too much about these moves because your overall structure is so good um yeah i, I like the idea of getting show well I, I would hop on him asap but once you get that you're you're you've got all the template players you've got you know such 
strong, um, you know, wingbacks and, and, you know, essential players here and there, not essential, but very important players here and there that a guy like King or Benteke can be the differential, you know, so. Yeah, it's not a bad shout at all. Mm. And, um, you know, if he's going to spend half the time on the bench, then it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> um, yeah, I completely get that. That's a really it's an interesting point, actually. Our, our template ratings for both of our teams are around 85%. And yeah. that is extremely template. So mm. there's a massive myth in the community that you don't get big green arrows if you have a template team. And th the last few weeks have definitely disproved that. I mean, mm. everyone practically has the same defence. Alexander-Arnold, James or Chilwell, Cancelo. They've all done well. And the template has, um, you know, really boosted everyone's ranks. But, mm. but that's because the template is just a selection of highly owned players. That combination thing is the massive booster. And um, yeah, it's... No, Ted, exactly. It. Because that's a great point you made. Um, you know, we have great template, uh, very high template rating, which... And, 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 you know, it got us good points. But I know some guys with the similar template rating that had big red arrows as well. So you're right. A template is template, but you also have to have the right combination of players, um, as you as you just spoken about. Yeah, 100%. It's because, I guess the way that they rate it is that it's like a, um, there's a group of players that are on, like, the highest owned. But there's going to be plenty more under the top 11 that also conform to like a sub template and that template rating is going to be calculated on like a massive group of players and um as you say someone could have a, a reasonably high template rating and have a completely different squad to you um well not completely different maybe five or six players different so i just wouldn't worry about that sort of thing and just make the moves make the sensible moves don't be dis you know off put by the fact that everyone's going to be jumping on double chelsea wingbacks um you know if it makes sense just do it because you're not competing against um you know you, you are competing against other people but at the same time if you do sensible moves you can let other people make the mistakes around you because mm -hmm. not not everyone is going to do the same thing so mm. yeah i i think having a template um team is not the worst thing basically is the conclusion <laughs> no, absolutely and the entire season too not just right now um seems like the template was working early in the season and a lot of people had high ranks so um yeah yeah 100 percent. right we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of our moves at the end of it but we'll look at our bus teams for game week 13 at the end of the video and maybe after we've been through a few stats maybe we'll get some uh, inclinations about what we want to do because I, I certainly get um, a bit of inspiration by looking through some of the stats uh, but we'll start off with the fixtures for the next six game weeks so we've got Man City there at the top which is nice. pretty encouraging nice always nice to see a team that's fairly well owned um, at the top but um, obviously they're starting off with a fairly tough fixture in, in West Ham but after that things get pretty rosy for the citizens mm. and um, we've both we both own Cancelo and Foden uh, is there anyone else from that team that really uh, catches your eye or are those the two to own yeah you know I actually um, put out a tweet two weeks ago because I noticed something who did who did they play before uh, this weekend I, I can't remember exactly um, God, I, I'm all for remembering these okay. things I'll check for okay. you yeah. yeah while you check um, so in that game, what I what I noticed was Foden played wide, right? Wide on the left. And KDB and Gundogan kind of 
you know, both started in the middle playing kind of a double false nine to say, if I want to, you know, kind of describe it. And um, I'd see KB, KDB make the runs at times and Gundogan come, come deeper and, and, you know, both make the runs and if they get countered, one of them come back. And, and so what I, basically what I saw was Gundogan as an option emerging possibly. Um, and, you know, it's a sideways move to go from Foden to Gundogan and I'm definitely not going to do that. And, um, but for guys who don't have Foden and maybe they don't have enough money to get to Foden, maybe Gundogan's a good option. I, I, I really like the positions he was in and I saw the same exact game plan, both games, um, you know, Foden played wide again this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are high up on Bernardo Silva as well, who's basically started, I think the last six, seven game weeks in a row. And uh, he's looking like he's a 90 minute player for Man City. And anytime you get a 90 minute player for Man City, uh, you have to, you have to look. So um, because we have Foden, it's, it's tough to say um, whether we should get another one because there's obviously that rotation risk, Champions League coming up. And now we're in the fixture crunch where they're going to be playing so many games. So I don't think I'm going to go for a third city. Um, however, Gundogan and Bernardo Silva both interest me a lot. Yeah, definitely ones to consider. I agree with you uh, regarding Gundogan. He's, his stats are fairly good at the moment. And it's just it's those late runs into the box. He, he's just always there when there's a tap-in uh, mm. available. So And he did this all last season as well, where he was just excellent value. So, I mean, even at whatever he is, like 7.5 million, he could provide some value there. Um, mm. Just to touch on Foden, sorry, the, the fixture that you alluded to earlier was Man United before. Oh, and right. um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should remember that, right? But I yeah. mean, there's so much to consider in FPL, just forget mm. it. What I would say is I wonder whether Foden's been playing on that left in maybe perceived tougher fixtures, so Man United and Everton. Because um, I think he's fairly versatile to play as that false nine as well. And maybe Pep warrants to play him as that false nine and maybe easier games um but i think that that rotation that merry-go-round in the city starting 11 if he's versatile enough to play in a couple different positions then maybe that has given us evidence that he can play 90 minutes every game in that team like cancelo's been doing and at mm. the end of the day <laughs> regardless of the position that he plays if he plays you know every single game if he starts every single game I think that's just enough to warrant mm. owning him. Um, mm. Because in the last last couple of games, we have sort of seen him struggle a little bit to get as many chances as before. Um, he did obviously miss that chance right at the end against Man United, which was which was annoying for us. Hit the post, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just one of those things. He could have taken it on another day. Um, but I think from game week 14, where City's fixtures get really good, uh, there's no reason to get rid of Foden. Uh, mm. I wouldn't be start worrying. Um from my perspective, yeah, Foden and Cancelo seem the ones. And um, yeah, hopefully Foden is utilising that false nine uh, occasionally as well. So yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so moving on to a couple of the other fixtures here. We've got Burnley, Palace next. No one really interests me from Burnley. Uh, Palace and there's Gallagher and uh, Benteke that we've been talking about. Maybe some other players from Palace. I mean, they've been free-flowing. Does anyone interest you from from those two teams? I watched the extended highlights uh, for this game week for Burnley, and um, I thought Corne looked pretty decent. Um, obviously, I didn't watch the full 90 minutes, so um, you know I need a more detailed breakdown. But 
Uh, I thought Cornet looked dangerous. He had a very nice finish, um, and uh, he's been talked about for a while, right? He's he's been finding form for the last four or five game weeks. So, um, you know, with your fixture ticker here, it uh, looks like he's got pretty decent fixtures coming up. Maybe after after the Tottenham game, he might be an option. Um, so, again, with these like mid mid table teams, my confidence isn't too high. So. Um, so I, I don't think I'll go there, but he's an option to to consider yeah, for some. Mm. For sure, Corne is a he looks lively, um, but maybe that liveliness um, is all it might be. Although he has been fairly good at uh, finishing, but mm-hmm. Burnley as a team, they just don't tend to be reliably, consistently um, attacking. So it's one of those. I think maybe someone like Gallagher might be a better option um, yeah. in a free flowing Palace side, which probably mm-hmm. looks better on paper. Um, so yeah, we'll come back to those um, later on when we talk about some of the strikers. Uh, but then Leicester and Liverpool underneath. Jamie Vardy owners might be who have sold. Um, I know Zofar, we had him on deadline stream. He kept Vardy, benched him. And now he's got this run of fixtures where Watford at home seems like a good one. Uh, mm. Southampton and Villa, maybe slightly harder. And then Newcastle. So I don't, I'm not sure what I would do as a Vardy owner if you've kept him. I mean, it seems like the fixtures are too good now to get rid of him. But, I mean, maybe a move to Kane is a better option. I, I'm not really sure. What would you do if you owned Vardy? I think it's a, actually a fairly simple uh, solution here, right? Because, um, you know, the thing about Vardy... Okay, so I when you, if you have Vardy in your team, first kind of look at if you have any burning holes that you need to you know, um, to so, uh, have a solution for, right? And mm. with with Vardy and this fixture run coming up, um, unless you really have no other moves to make and you're willing to make the move, sure. But here's the caveat to that is where would you go? Uh, I mean, like, is there another premium that you really want right now? Like, do you really want Kane? I, I don't think so, you know? So I just think that, um, I think it's just, you just got to play the fixtures. Uh, you've you've stuck with him till now. Um, I know he's a frustrating own, and he's a premium. But what what other premium are you going to go to? Maybe if you can downgrade him and move somewhere else to to get a Foden, to get a Jota, or or to get one of the Chilwell or Reese James or one of the wingback boys, then uh, then you can downgrade. But if not, there's no other premium to go to. So just keep him and kind of go through the fixtures, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, mm. I mean, Vardy's been frustrating own. Kane presumably has been frustrating own. Um, mm. But they both have excellent fixtures. So which one do you do? You do? I, I, I wouldn't be like to be in that position because... Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like holding Spurs is fine, but... Would I be bringing them in on the back of that Leeds game? I'm not 100%, but their fixtures are very, very good. So, I mean, I, I might be I might be inclined, but I don't know. I'll just leave it up to the people that are in those positions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, after Leicester, we've got Liverpool. Always nice to see those with, with good fixtures. I think plenty of us either will double or treble up with Trent, Salah and, and Jota. Seems like good value at the moment, especially with Firmino's injury. There was talk that Firmino would be back sooner than mid-December, which is um, not that great uh, for Jota owners. But uh, I think, you know, with the prospects of Salah and Mane going away in January for the African Cup of Nations, Jota's going to be um, a pretty decent asset. So I think I'm not looking to get rid of Jota anytime soon. And um, mm. yeah, especially of his, his amazing goal at the weekend. 
Um, should have had two. Should have had two. <laughs> <laughs> Always want more. Love it. Yeah. And then Arsenal, uh, I mean, they're, they're pretty uninspiring apart from the inspirational goalkeeper, Ramsdale, which we, mm. I mean, he's, he's just on fire at the moment, isn't he? A pity yeah. he couldn't keep a clean sheet. And, well, I mean, obviously we weren't expecting a clean sheet against Liverpool, but um, I think it's pretty encouraging for future games that, um, that Ramsdale seems to be in pretty good form, right? Ted, in the UK, is there a general consensus that he should be England's number one? Ah, uh, God. Or I is mean, that too uh polarizing I, of a question i mean we have a lot yeah. of goalkeeping talent we have uh-huh. um you know when when pickford was was keeping his spot as number one i mean it was arguable that uh back in the day it was nick pope who was pressing and then i think there was like butland who was um also pressing and then there's a cycle of goalkeepers that keep impressing and mm. southgate just continues to pick, pick pickford which is which is fine i mean pickford has mm a unique set of attributes. Um, his agility is just insane, but he just always has that mistake. So I don't know. I think there's plenty of other decent goalkeeping options that Southgate could choose, but um, right. <laughs> whether it's um, um, Ramsdale or another another goalkeeper like Nick Pope or, or whoever, I th- <laughs> personally, I think there would be improvements over Pickford, but um, I mean, mm. I think it's horses for courses really. But it's a good question. I, I, there's no right or wrong answer to it. It's just an opinion. Mm. Um, so yeah, under Arsenal, we've got uh, we've got Brentford, and they have a couple of tricky fixtures. So Tony and Burma owners, uh, Everton and Spurs. I mean, you could class them as tricky, but they have been a little bit leaky, uh, especially Everton recently. So maybe keeping for for Everton might not be the worst idea. Um, but what do you think of Tony um, when watching him? He got mm. his goal at the weekend, but I, I thought he was a little bit lucky to get that goal. Um, I think the goalkeeper should have done better. Mm. Uh, but I didn't watch the full game, so I couldn't, I couldn't see, I couldn't tell you whether he was everywhere, feeding everyone left, right and centre, getting loads and loads of chances. But from my perception was that he got a bit lucky and I'm kind of, I kind of, kind of want to get rid. Actually, so I actually watched this game. And uh, look, I think when it comes to the Brentford double up, no more. It's time to go. Uh, I've had enough. You know, I, you know, when Mbumo hit the post uh, again, I, I just like, I, I couldn't, I can't take it anymore. You know, um, I think Tony's a keep. I, I, you know, I saw signs of him um, really, really pretty decent uh, this game. And before this game, I actually was wondering if I should bench one of them. And I ended up playing both. But um, there's a guy on um, Twitter called uh, FPL Lens, Gabe, and I, I really uh, value his opinion a lot. And I was talking to him prior to um, this game, and he was predicting a formation change and said that Tony's going to play a little further up the pitch, and it came true. And I thought Tony looked really good. I thought he looked light on his feet, a little bit more confident. Um, you know, I know he's frustrating home, but again, where are you going to go, right? So if you have Mbumo, I, I get it. I, I'm going to try to sell him as well. but. Maybe keep Tony for one more game week um, against Everton. Why not? Mm. Yeah, 100%. Okay, it's, it's good. I think we're going to have a good discussion on forwards because we've got a chart later on that just um, basically amalgamates all of the information and I think it demonstrates quite a lot of um, nice things. But let's move on to the second part uh, of the fixtures and we've got uh, Brighton down to Southampton. Uh, Brighton, I think, Trossard seems to be the pick. Lamptey looks lively again. Not 100% sure whether... He's FPL worthy yet, especially with the massive amount of um, 
money that we seem to be having in our back lines, I'm not sure there's much space for him instead of maybe the likes of Livramento. But potentially when Brighton's fixtures get get good again, he could be an, a Livramento alternative. Um, and Chelsea, we know about Chelsea. Uh, we'll talk about their fullbacks later on. Um, Norwich, I mean, anyone on Pookie might, must be happy in the last couple of games. Um, does he interest you as an alternative um, to some of the forward options? I think he's interesting. Um, you know, sometimes you have to uh, kind of separate the FPL to the football. And when it comes to these strikers, um, a couple of weeks ago, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. A couple of weeks ago, we kind of didn't know about these wingbacks becoming these legitimate options now. Um, but some people, and, and um, I'll raise my hand as well, have predicted that uh, these guys would become serious options. And this is the kind of same situation right now. We're trying to predict who's going to be the emerging option in in front of the, in the you know front line. And um, I don't think I'd go to Pookie, but um, Pookie had made some very good movements. I was watching him uh, kind of when Max Aarons had the ball. And, uh, you know, when, when Norman was taking a shot, uh, the types of movements that Pookie was making was uh, pretty convincing. So I thought it was a pretty decent uh, game. But again, uh, do you want a Norwich player? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I spend far too much of my time talking about Norwich these days. Terrible. Mm -hmm. But um, I think Dean Smith coming in, they're getting a, they're getting a, a really big result against Southampton. will give them a bit, a bit of encouragement. And hopefully he can bring Campwell... Uh, back to his former self. I mean, adding in the likes of Billy Gilmore to that side makes it super dynamic. So I think there's possibilities for Norwich to get a bit of run of bit of a run of form, and I think Pookie could benefit from that. But the next two fixtures, Wolves and Newcastle, and then it gets sort of middling. I I'm not like madly keen on bringing him in immediately. I think if you've owned him already, then you've done well uh, for the prospects in the next two games. But yeah. If you want, if you if you want to punt for the next two games, then why not go give them a why go? Mm. Man United next. A lot of talking points about Man United because obviously Oli's been sacked, and I think that's um, if they if they manage to sign someone fairly quickly, or um, if it's going to be Carrick as the caretaker manager for the, the remainder of the season, the those two outcomes will play a massive massive. Um, difference because I think if you, a new manager comes in, they're going to get a bit of more of a boost. Uh, especially when their good fixtures come through. But, I mean, at, the, at right now, the prospects of bringing in Ronaldo or, or Bruno Fernandes, it's just not that appealing and their stats haven't been great. So whether we just wipe the slate clean and just ignore all of the previous numbers and say, yeah, Ronaldo maybe from game week 15 is a consideration. I think Kane owners, you've got a good way to get Ronaldo if you think that's a good a good move. But I, I don't think Man United assets are an immediate um, go-get-them-right-now sort of thing. I think we can wait a couple of games, especially with Chelsea and Arsenal up next. Is that sort of echo your, your thoughts on Man United? Yeah, I, I won't speak too much on it, but I, I completely agree with you. First of all, um, you know, a lot of people are speaking on United and, and obviously uh, they, United fans have the right to do so because they were awful this game. But also give credit where credit's due because Watford were brilliant. Um, you know, they came out with so much energy and, and passion. And uh, they, it was just, it was cool to watch them just kind of, you know, come together, you know, re almost relegation. Right. So um, good, good on Watford there. Um, yes. I would not go near United assets right now, but you know what, you know, like Ronaldo got his chances. Like he had a couple chances in the second half. Um, he, you know, he's always dangerous and 
I'm certainly not closing the door on a move to Ronaldo. Um, if we've got what three game weeks for the next uh, before the fixture run, so we'll see. Maybe this new manager bounce makes an effect. Uh, whether they get a new manager, who knows? But um, definitely, just keep it open. Mm. I, th- I think the Chelsea game will be a really good audition for the new Man United that we might see. Because if they can, if they get completely closed out by Chelsea, we'll know that they're just they're just a, a rung below the top teams mm-hmm. now and um yeah Ronaldo got some chances against Watford but it was a it was Watford so um you know they're not the strongest defensively um and but I mean he, he didn't get too many chances I mean he created a few but it wasn't that great so I mean yeah. if, if he if he has a really good game against Chelsea then suddenly that sets everyone's mind racing oh they've got a good run of fixtures coming up that puts Ronaldo in our thoughts so definitely worth um seeing the Chelsea game for, first and then seeing what kind of Man United game uh, Man United team we have going forward. Yeah. Ted, quickly, um, I do want to say this about Shaw uh, because remember in the beginning of the season, we all had him in our template game week one and we were ignoring the likes of Diaz and, and Cancelo and and City uh, defense because their, their fixtures were worse. But I think we're in a very similar situation here where United's fixtures look great, but we have four amazing defensive options that are fixture proof essentially. So there's no way to go to a United defender, even with the fixture swings, unless we see a drop in form or, or, you know, rotation in in the four wing backs that we all agree are, are essential going forward. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Luke Shaw as a left back was fairly good, obviously during the summer at the end of last season as well. Uh, But if you compare to the likes of Chilwell, James, Alexander-Arnold and uh, Cancelo, they just play in a completely different way. I mean, Shaw is, is a relative defender to those, those sort of midfielders and strikers. They're, they're sort of makeshift, ultra-attacking defenders. So, yeah, there's no way that Luke Shaw is in my thoughts at all, even with the good fixtures. So, yeah, completely agree with you there. Um, so next up, we've got Spurs. The next three games looks particularly good for Spurs, which is why I think most of us who have brought in Spurs assets will probably keep um this probably could be a good way a good um time to talk about spurs um i so i'll start with my perceptions basically um conte's formation <laughs> it lined up on sky sports as a 3-4-3 and i thought son was playing on the left um and when i look at average positions from the match son was definitely the highest uh the furthest forward player but i think those average shot positions can be a little bit misleading because mm-hmm. they also take into account when the other team have possession. And if Son is the, still the highest player forward, it means that he's just not tracking back and doing his defensive duties, whereas the likes of Kane is more likely to do that. I don't think Son was particularly playing high during that game. I think Kane was everywhere. And I don't think Son was on the last shoulder either. He was sort of sitting in quite narrowly in this sort of number 10 role. And I don't think that suits him. I think he he likes a little bit of space to run into. And a couple of occasions during that game, he did have it. But I was, as a Son owner, I was very frustrated. Um, were you more happy as a Kane owner? No, I'm never happy when Son isn't uh, getting goals or chances, uh, regardless of FPL, because for me, uh, football comes first and, and being... The biggest Sun fan, I, I always want him to do well. Um, you know, even if his EO was 200%, I would want him to score. Uh, really, I, I really mean that. So I'm very worried for Sun. I, I think that if um, if you're a Sun owner, you should be worried because 
we've seen three games and the same three games I've seen emerging patterns. And you're right. They played with a three, four, three, and this is not working for them. Um, unless Conte decides to switch up the formation to a three, four, one, two, or three, five, two, it'd be amazing, but they can't do that till the, the, uh, January, um, transfer window because Conte doesn't see Lo Celso, Deli Ali and, uh, and Dombele as midfielders. I mean, every single time they come on, they come on for Lucas or, you know, even Son in the first two games. Um, and the reason being is they, they're not like a Barella or a Toro Vidal type of um, defender or midfielder who's energetic, you know, running box to box, you know, getting past their first man, making, you know, really nice passes. And it's interesting because Conte is implementing this 3-4-3 in the Premier League. We saw this in Chelsea. But you have to remember, Willian and Hazard are very different types of players to Son and Lucas. Son and Lucas, to be honest, are not very good at coming back, receiving the ball, and and building up. They're 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 best at the at the runs. And um, you know, if anything, Kane's the only creator in this in this front line. Kane's the one that should be coming deep to get the ball. And we saw parts of that. Um, I'm getting very passionate here, but. Um, you know, when I saw Winks and Hoiberg start in that holding line, I was I already knew this was going to be bad news because their passing is not good enough to move the ball forward. And Conte is all about building up. Um, in the first half, we saw Leeds press. And the key here was Phillips played with the defensive line. He would drop deep. So I think that was a key. And as you know, uh, Leeds are very high tempo, high pressing. And, uh, you know, ball possession, 60-40 Leeds in the first half. And they're past success rate for Spurs was 79%. So 40% ball position with under 80% pass rate is a terrible sign, which which led to what? Zero shots on target. But here's where Conte is kind of the masterful tactician that he is, because I think that what happened was he might've done this on purpose to kind of tire out the Leeds players. And we've seen this throughout the entire season where uh, Leeds players get very exhausted throughout um, the second half. And in the second half, kind of uh, Phillips moved up to the pitch and the defensive line got weaker and, and Son and Lucas tried to make some runs and they had, I think, 11 shots and four big chances with 83% pass um, rate and 50-50 in terms of ball possession. So the second half was more like it. But moving forward, um, to summarize, I'm... I'm very worried. I, I I think this Europa League game this midweek, people with Sun and, uh, and Kane, especially Sun, should be looking at this game or at least the highlights to see if he makes a formation change. If he doesn't, I'm not very confident in, in my boy uh, moving forward because he needs to be playing up top and he needs to be playing as high as possible. And and the ball, and, and you're right, the, the heat map showed them coming super deep to receive the ball and uh, kind of he was he was lost at times he didn't know what to do you know mm, so it was it I, I really loved that summary for me I think it mm. was it's spot on and um as a son owner myself I am definitely worried he he just he looked like he played the ball and then just stopped walk he just walked he didn't mm -hmm. run and he was ended up in midfield most of the time and um, a couple of times, yeah, he got the ball and, and made a really decent run forward, like bursting past mid uh, uh, defenders. Uh, and I thought he looked super effective doing that. But yeah, we definitely have to monitor how Conte adapts this this strategy, this structure for to make Son his uh, back to his best. And um, I just really didn't see that at all. So. Mm. 
as you say, keep an eye on the Europa staff um, midweek because if there's any glimmers of light um, in this tunnel, I think it might come there. But yeah, I, I, I'm not particularly happy owning Son at the moment. I think Kano's probably have it a little better. Yeah, um, and Ted, uh, one more thing is that did you notice how how kind of selfish the Spurs players looked a bit? Um, I felt I felt like they were not making the the fast tempo passes, the, you know, give and goes, I, I feel like everybody was holding the ball just a bit too long. And um, in the second half, or maybe first or second half, especially uh, second half, I, I saw maybe six opportunities that could have become smaller, big chances if the ball had been played a half tempo faster. So that's, that's worrying too. You know, there's no chemistry right now with the team. So Hundred percent. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm not sure whether it was selfishness. I think it was okay. lack of creativity. They found themselves in positions that they weren't used to being in. Lucas Moura lost the ball more times than I could count. Exactly. And um, it was just lack of uh, lack of clue. They didn't know. They didn't know what to do. Where to? Where to? You know, uh, thread the ball. They, mm-hmm. And that, I think that comes through intuition. If you play in a system that you know, and obviously this might be a little playing a little bit harsh because. Conte's only been the manager for a few games. <laughs> so it might be a little bit harsh. But if you're playing in a system week in, week out, you start getting an idea about where players are going to be at certain points in the build-up. Uh, and that it just completely was was not evident in that game. Uh, so exactly. a lot of improvement to do. And I I wonder whether Lucas Moura keeps his place going forward. Um, I'm not 100% who he brings in instead uh, and whether that warrants a change in formation. By the way, Lucas Moura lost the ball 16 times in the first half. And (laughs) his pass percentage was 67%, which is really bad. So um, I'm surprised he started all three games. Um, You know, he's a good player. He's he's got his moments and he's obviously a legend in that IX game. But uh, yeah, Lucas has been very frustrating, to be honest. Okay, we've dwelt a little bit too much on, on Spurs, but it's, it's been really good conversation about it. And I think um, mm. it probably echoes people's um, own sentiments about how that game went and, and future projections for Spurs performance. But the problem is that we can't really get rid with Burnley, Brentford and Norwich up next. And I think if anyone has sort of got double Spurs, if they've doubled up on Son and Kane, then moving one down to another player might not be the worst idea or just going with it. Um, just see what happens because things could change in the next game or two. Sure. Uh, okay, well, let's leave Spurs behind for now. Um, Aston Villa and Southampton, not particularly worried about talking them. Maybe Ollie Watkins could be an option going forwards. Uh, just the final final teams to finish off. Um, we've got Watford. Josh King is on the radar for me, but the next three... Uh, games for Watford are not great. So, as I said at the start of the video, if you're bringing in, maybe just it's worth benching as a as a twelfth man. Um, Everton, I'm not really considering them until Calvert Lewin comes back into the fold. I think a top two, maybe a four four two of a Calvert Lewin and an Antonio is a long term thing that I'm looking at. Uh, Leeds uh, until Bamford back. Bamford's back. Um, I'm not particularly keen on. Uh, bringing Rafinha back in, I already got rid of him and um, got a bit lucky, I suppose, with him being being ill. Uh, obviously, commiserations to those that own Rafinha and um, he would look like he was going to be back for that game. But um, yeah, his illness was just a bit unlucky for you guys. I think Rafinha is definitely a long-term hold if you've, if you've kept him. Still a lot of value there. 
Um, Newcastle, I think um, Callum Wilson could be on the radar potentially. He was the biggest underperformer this week with an XG of 0.77. So there's some signs, there's glimmers that Eddie Howe might be knitting that team together in the in the way that he knitted Bournemouth. And I think that's definitely one to keep an eye on, especially when Newcastle play Norwich in game week 14. Um, last two teams, West Ham, we've got Antonio with three difficult fixtures in the next three. And I th- this is where I'm wavering about whether to sell him or not, because from game week 16, he has some good ones. So definitely uh, a bit of an interesting whether to keep or sell Antonio. I think there's a lot of interest between like likes of Bowen or Fornals in that West Ham team that could provide better value. Uh, and lastly, Wolves, you own Huang. I've got uh, Jimenez, very happy to own for Norwich and Burnley. But then after that, their fixtures get pretty tough, I'd say. So sorry, a whiz stop, whiz stop. Well, whistle Perfect. whistle stop tour what's the saying yeah whistle stop tour of, <laughs> of the fixtures um but yeah we've got lots more to talk about so let's not too dwell too much longer on the fixtures i'm gonna we're gonna move on to talk about premium options now um and all of us have salah and um yeah that's pretty obvious but is there <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> are there other eight million and over excuse me (laughs) take your time take your time i'm gonna have some water yeah it's the spurs talk that got to you oh my god it did (laughs) it properly got me stuck in my throat harry (laughs) son Son is in my throat as well as in my squad outrageous Okay, sorry. Premium options. Um, so we've got Salah at 13 million, but this is a chart, the chance diagram for um, the best attacking options over 8 million. And I know 8 million doesn't really mean premium, but we can have a track about Foden and uh, the likes of those sorts of players. And, and like Foden particularly here is pretty prevalent across all different statistical measures. We've got the small chances created on the left. Small chances, which are the shots, are the difficult shots, the big chances, which are the easy shots, and then the big chances created on the right, which are the easy uh, chances created. Um, And I'll come to you in a minute, Andy, but I think obviously Salah looks really good, and that's fairly obvious. But Kane and Son don't look too bad in the statistical measures. But what was most evident for me was Fernandez has just completely lost all his shots uh where have his shots gone he used to take pot shots from outside the box and he used to be one of the highest shot makers in the league but he's just not on any of these um these measures uh that just really sort of is the last nail in the coffin for fernandez for me unless the new manager changes his his style um, what do you make of Fernandez as an option? Do, do you agree with he's, he's he's dead, or can he can he be resurrected for game week fifteen? Mm, I think he's dead um, because he's too expensive. Um, what is he now? 12, 12 something, right? Um, so uh, I I wouldn't go there. I, I mean, he's obviously a, a great player. And um, by the way, shout out to FPL Bruno, who's uh, my partner in crime on Twitter. So uh, he's probably hating this right now. Oh, but, no. um, um uh, i just uh i don't know i don't think he interests me right now i think there's so much more value and uh you could spread the funds elsewhere um so i i wouldn't go near fernandez for now mm. yeah it's a, it's a difficult one isn't it and it's amazing how a tra- a player with such quality can just become like a poor fpl asset in the mm-hmm. almost the blink of an eye it's very very strange um but i guess what i wanted to point out here is that ronaldo 
you know, he's he's got a lot of small chances, but they're small chances. They're difficult efforts. He's not in the big chance category at all. I noticed that. Mm. Which is just really bad. Uh, a couple of big chances great as well. But he's just sunk. His stats have sunk. And this just does not bode well for Man United going forward. But as I said earlier, we could just wipe the slate clean for Man United and just give them the benefit of the doubt because this might spur them on. It's a big, big change. Oli leaving and it's going to be uh, a seismic change at the club. So we will see what happens. But um, let's talk about Son and Kane because, I mean, their numbers actually aren't bad. Kane is taking a lot of shots. Small chances, 13. Uh, only Salah has more. And um, Son's there with eight. Uh, and then Son has more big chances than Kane in the last six. Four for Son, three for Kane. And um, Son's there with the small chances created. Eleven, only Fernandez and Antonio have more. Uh, and Kane is good for the big chances created. Obviously, Kane owners should be a little bit more happy about that prospect. But they certainly seem busy in the stats department. So I don't think anything's completely lost when it comes to Spurs. Um, it's just the eye test complete, tells a completely different story, sadly, doesn't it? No, look, uh, you know, we were very negative on, or I was very negative on that um, game summary, but uh, it comes with the the passion I have for, for Sun. And I will say this, when you have a guy like Conte and you come off a victory like that with the passion and, and the, the energy that you saw from your coach at the end, uh, you know, those are the external factors that aren't measured on on spreadsheets that definitely have lingering effects on the team. So I think that, uh, you know, as negative as I might have been on the summary of that game, look forward and and there is just a click, you know, they just maybe a formation change or or one or two combination goals like both of them hit the post, by the way. So um, it, you just you just have to believe that you're here for the next three, four fixtures and we're hoping for the best. And, and on the note of Kane, we expect so much from the premium, but for me in the next three game weeks, if he has one di double digit haul, that's enough for me. I, I feel like uh, that, that just justifies me bringing him in. And I think we'll forget about his two pointers. If, if he can just get one double digit return for me. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, I guess the reason why we're grouping this premium stuff up is because I, who else is there to go to as a premium option? Like Ronaldo potentially, but we talked about this earlier that we're not going to be jumping on immediately because we don't know what sort of Man United we're going to get. And we've all invested quite heavily. We've almost preempted a Spurs boost in form because mm -hmm. of the decent fixtures. And I think it probably does make sense to hold on to it uh, while we can because a move to someone else, like, I mean, De Bruyne's sort of got COVID at the moment. Fernandez is a sort of dead option. Uh, and we've we've got these random other options that just don't make sense uh, as as premium options. So they caught between a rock and a hard place. The the lack of options is pretty evident. There is one though, <laughs> and uh, I would I would definitely go to this guy if Jota wasn't around, and that uh, is Mane. Yeah, I, I love Mane right now. He he looks amazing, and uh, he's always been out of our our FPL picture and our teams. But if Jota wasn't around, regardless of AFCON, I would be all over him right now. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I, I mm. think he's he's um I've got a graphic at the end actually the shot map that particularly bigs him up in terms of uh shots he's making at the moment. His conversion is really high and um mm. it's going back to almost a couple of years ago where his his conversion was one of the best in the entire league. So uh nice. obviously really good for for money owners but the <laughs> it's such a weird prospect that almost a player becomes a non-option because you on one hand you have almost the best player in the world that we is a perma captain option <laughs> and also an equivalent forward in Jota who's half the price it mm-hmm. becomes Mane just becomes a non-option which non-option. is so strange mm. yeah. but it's if Mane was playing for the likes of Chelsea or or Man City or whoever yeah. he would he would be a real big contender right now for our sides i have to say sure so yes um i'm not really sure there's much else to say on this but i've got we've got antonio we've got Van foden in here i think foden like he's he's spread across all of the categories as i said earlier and i, I i'm not getting rid of him uh at all i think we talked about man city earlier and i think foden is definitely a keep but yeah there's a smattering of other options but i just think salah and maybe a spurs guy at the moment isn't isn't the worst worst thing ever to have. Like, yeah, we're going, oh my God, I'm going to worry about Son and Kane at the moment, but who, who else is there to have? So <laughs> very interesting. But um, let's move on to our next topic. And this is the main talking point for the video. Uh, and this is wingbacks. Um, get the chart up. This is uh, defenders. These are the top defenders from uh, attacking potential. Um, for the last six game weeks, we've got small attempts, which is, uh, you know, the, the difficult chances created, the difficult shots combined, and then the big attempts, which are the uh, the big versions of those. And you can just see there's a massive disparity between the, the main contenders that we are already talking about. We've got Trent as, as the best, arguably, for the amount of uh, chances and shots that he has. And then Reese James and Chilwell are closely followed behind. And then... Cancelo and Rudiger. I mean, Rudiger's there. I mean, it really surprised me when I when I made this chart that that Rudiger could even provide some value in this. Um, obviously, he's not a wing back, so it kind of kind of defeats the point of the theme of the video. But at, at five point nine, would you even contemplate going Rudiger over one of Reese James or Chilwell? I think if you don't have Rudiger, no. But if you have Rudiger, you keep because. Um, Rudiger is a great option and uh, there's this notion that he's a center back and of course he's not going to get those final third touches like Chilwell and and Reese James and Chilwell and Reese James are just so attacking Um, you know I don't really consider them defenders anymore right but for example if you look at that heat map the one that really stood out to me was the heat map against Norwich he was playing like a left wing back role basically and um, I'm sure the wing uh, I'm sure the heat map for this game week was pretty similar but he's such a threat in the corner kicks and um you know such a good player as well so i don't think you need to make a a move away from rudiger to let's say a chowal or reese james if you do have him because i think he provides a lot of value um but with that being said if you don't have one of the four in trent reese chowal or cancello you have to make that priority for me. I, I think um, this is the dream Avengers right now in terms of the wingbacks. And I know earlier, remember when we were talking about our teams, the first thing you said to me was, oh, you're playing a 4-4-2. And inside uh, what I was thinking was, no, I'm not, Ted. I'm playing a 0-8-2 or 0-8. <laughs> yeah, exactly, 0-8-2 because 
they're not defenders to me. The clean sheet is a bonus, you know, they're, they're attackers pretty much. So. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And um, it's a massive perception thing. I think for most of us that go, you know, you played FPL for multiple years and you go, Oh, never play a four, four, two, but yeah, you're quite right. They're a different proposition this year. They're these specifically four players, uh, excluding Rudiger. And, and just to, before we move on, because I'm going to move these guys onto a chart that compares them with forwards. Uh, but just before we, before we do that, I uh, just wanted to just show the disparity between Regulon and those four. Obviously, we've got pre-Conte data in here, so that might have reduced Regulon's appeal a little bit. But I think there is still a little bit of a disparity between Regulon. So I think if you... If you've got Alexander-Arnold, James and Cancelo, like I do, I think I would prioritise Chilwell over Regulon, 100%. Mm. Uh, but let's do that. Let's move on to the next one. And what I've done is I've just stuck those those four or five uh, top defender options on a forwards chart. And <laughs> these, are the, these are the best forwards in the game, statistically. We've got Josh King up there, who's who's had a lack of matches. I think it's only two or three matches he's played. But um, obviously really good for big attempts, and he's, he's obviously done well. But when you put the defenders on there, you've got Trent, Reese James, Chilwell, Cancelo, and Rudiger among the best forwards for just for attacking stats. And the fact that you've got clean sheet potential there too, it just, it just screams to me that everyone needs to prioritise these guys because they're providing way better value than the likes of Tony or even Antonio here. Uh, yeah. So I completely, uh, this is definitely backing up what you're saying about, um, you know, you're playing a zero, two, eight, or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys are just, these guys are just awesome. So, um, Oh, you see them as forwards. I said zero, eight, two, but I guess <laughs> zero, two, eight works as well. <laughs> well, I mean, Chilwell seems like a striker at the moment, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, uh, Cancelo and Chilwell are in the top, you know, 20 players for a number of shots in the last six game weeks. It just says it all. Everyone is floundering in terms of attacking potential apart yeah. from these guys. And that's that's just so interesting. So I think I have to prioritize a chill well move this week. Yeah, um, I have some stats real quick um, to, it. to back, it. back it up. Um, so I brought in James in game week eight. He's provided me 54 points, 10.8 points a week. Cantelo in game week eight, 35 points, 7 points a week. Trent game week eight, 44 points, 8.8 points per week. Of course, this is hindsight data, but still very, uh, a lot of value. And uh, there was a tweet by uh, Big Man Bakar today um, saying uh, their goal involvement per 90, James and Trent 0.6, Chilwell 0.5, Cancelo 0.4. And they all play for the top three defensive teams in the league. And on FF Scout uh, members area, uh, final third touches in the last four game weeks, Trent 114, Cancelo 148, seven penalty area touches, and finally James 159, 20 penalty area touches. Mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah mm. it just says it all, really. I mean, it's almost like a non-conversation uh, because everyone seems to now have cottoned onto it, and it's just this is the general priority that everyone should do. And I, I think that's just so evident. I mean, mm. they're providing better attacking stats than Cristiano Ronaldo, for goodness sake. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And yeah. um, 
and they've also got clean sheet potential. So yeah, we won't talk about those guys anymore because I just think it's you know yeah. it's like flogging it's, a dead horse. It's yeah, you know, common narrative now. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Just want to caveat a few things on this. Firmino is there. Yes, he's played. He's played a, a few games. He's been injured since, and I think most of those stats have come from that Watford game where he got twenty points. So take that with a pinch of salt. Benteke is there and that's super interesting and I, I just can't believe I even can contemplate bringing Benteke into my side. <laughs> I'm actually point one away from doing Antonio to Benteke and um, Ben White up to Chilwell, which is so annoying because I would have made, maybe contemplated done, doing that. Yeah. Um, I just... How do I know that Palace are just going to continue being awesome and um, Benteke is going to continue to score? It just seems so counterintuitive. What, you what are your thoughts you on what are your thoughts on Benteke as, as a legitimate option? Uh, I'm going to base it simply off this last game. Simply off this last game, he looks like a great option. <laughs> um, so, food for thought. That's that's all I'll say because honestly, honestly, it's a coin toss, right? Like you're right. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to take this risk. And as I mentioned, Ted, like you have such a strong team that I don't think it'll backfire at, at all. If anything, it'll benefit you. If not, there's no other options that's hurting you in the in the forward line. So um, I see the value here of moving to Penteke, especially with this fixture run. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think it's probably a blessing in disguise, to be honest, because he would be sitting on my bench as a 12th player. Well, I guess mm. he would be that sort of 11th, 12th man, depending on fixtures and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Penteke seems like a legitimate option. I can't believe I'm saying that. But anyway, I mean, if I did that move, it'd probably have to be for Josh King because he's a little bit cheaper. And um, I mean, I mean, King's stats are great. Whether we know, whether we're going to continue to caveat that his attacking numbers are just being adjusted by a few, a small sample size, that sort of thing. But, you know, maybe Ranieri's, you know, bringing the best out of him. Maybe he continues to do this and everyone sort of misses the boat on this 5.7, I think he is, um, forward. He could provide excellent value. Um, yeah. It's a pity Watford's fixtures are poor at the moment, I say. But I think I think Joshua King is someone to consider from game week sixteen, though. Um, I think he has some decent fixtures from there. So, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when we've got a a massive midfield with Foden and Jota and whoever, obviously right. Salah, uh, and a massive premium backline as well, we're going to have to find some value uh, up front, and um, maybe Josh King will provide that. Um, Talking about Jimenez, I mean, Huang's not on here, but I mean, he's probably not far away from Jimenez uh, on this chart in that bottom left corner. But Jimenez is kind of frustrating own. As I said, he's he's good for the big attempts, you know, average for the big attempts, but not very good for number of shots, number of chances yeah. created. And I think that probably echoes the way that Wolves play. Uh, they, they're a very solid side, but they, they lack a lot of quantity in terms of the attacking yeah. numbers. But obviously Jimenez is such a good player, he can sort of get away with it and be clinical. Um, uh, as we sort of alluded to in the fixtures, next two are definitely a keep. And then after that, I'll be definitely getting rid of with Jimenez. Um, let's talk about Callum Wilson, because he's had a couple of games, or well, two or three games under his belt now, and those attacking stats seem reasonable. What do you think about Callum Wilson as, a, as an option in that Newcastle team? I think it's a bit too late. Um, I think the the boat was to get him last game week. Um, so this game week, I wouldn't get him. Um, and I think he has two good fixtures after next, starting next game week, maybe three. Um, so after that, it's a sell, right? So that's pre-booking a transfer already. And uh, 
you know, the, the goals are so spread out, right? Um, I, I know Newcastle scored three and they're, you know, a classic kind of mid low table team that just attack, 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 or sometimes defend, 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 right? They, they don't really know how to control the game. So it's kind of a roll, roll in the dice of how the team's going to perform. Um, so when they do attack, you would want, and again, the narrative was Wilson is involved in every Newcastle goal, but we didn't see that at all this game. Um, so I think it's, I would not do it to be honest, um, if I was in someone's shoe. Mm. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement. Um, I think uh, definitely wait and see, see what kind of Newcastle we get. And maybe with a, a small run of fixtures, we could jump on. But yeah, definitely not rushing to get him in. I, th- I think the main talking points here I want to just dwell five minutes on is uh, Antonio uh, and Tony, because they they are busy. They are, they're looking like they've got some attacking numbers, but those the big attempts is something that really worries me. Uh, yeah. You know, it's about half a big attempt per match, and that just that just screams to me that they're drifting off into wide areas, and they're not getting the easy opportunities that we need strikers to really flourish with. And I don't know about you, but when I was watching the West Ham match, Antonio really frustrates me by drifting out to the wing and yep, yep. I, I don't want him there i want him in yep. the box just stay yep. there and finally he can get some tap-ins like he used to do last season i mean he was terrible he was renowned for missing shots like four yards away from goal i want that sort of antonio i don't want someone who scores 30 yard screamers like he did for for jamaica I want someone who gets in the box and that's kind of frustrating me and it's kind of pushing me towards getting rid for the next three games. I don't know whether that's silly and naive because we know what kind of player he is. We know he's in good shape and if he stays injury free, he's perceived as one of the best players in the league as he evidenced at the start of the season. So what do you think about Antonio? Uh, And obviously you don't own him, but for people potentially looking to get rid, do you think it's it's a mistake? Uh, I I think the 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 top managers um, in FPL will tell you to keep and just hold the value. Um, you've already come this far, and his again his fixture swing soon, right? But for me, I it's easy for me to say since I sold him. I I just I just like you said, he's been playing out of position a little bit, right? You know, Antonio's weakness is exactly that, playing wide and, and trying to dribble and, and move the ball up the pitch. He's just just kind of slow, right? Just very, uh, he's not that great uh, dribbling, dribbling the ball up. So, you know, I, I, so again, Bruno did a breakdown previous, I think two, three game weeks ago, ago where he told me that his zonal matchups are pretty good. Um, so he'll, he has uh, very good matchups uh, in the last, I think, in the next couple game weeks, he's got pretty decent zonal matchup. So he's always there to score. There's always an opportunity to score. So again, look at your team. If there's someone you really want to go to, then make the move and and don't look back because it's just a 0.3 difference in the end um, that you have to pay for. So terrible it's, answer there. Good no, luck. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's a really interesting one because I guess the, mm. the dilemma I have is do mm. I... In, in essence, it's do I have Chilwell or Antonio? And you can see them next to each other in this in this chart. They have similar attacking stats. But the problem is that Chilwell has clean sheet potential. I couldn't believe the stat that was on screen when I was watching the Chelsea match. Two calls, 49 games 
uh, for Chelsea, and 30 of them were clean sheets. That's that's an over 60% clean sheet conversion rate, when the average in general for the entire league is around 27% clean sheet conversion. It just shows how solid this Chelsea team are, and they'd be getting clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. Chill well. Ted, just... I think... Go, go ahead. No, no, I think on. if I think if you can fund a move to Chilwell through Antonio, you got to do it. Um, I, I'm confident they keep a clean sheet against United this this game week. Like, you know, even if they don't and they come out with a one pointer, the next game week they're going to come out with a nine or ten. So I just think uh, it's just such such a mm, dangerous <laughs> word, but obvious move to me. Um, but oh, no. again. Again, if you can keep Antonio and make and create that move elsewhere, then probably that's the move, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, the problem is I can also sacrifice Tony. I just won't get a good, a good forward. I'd get something like a 4.7 forward or something that would be bench yeah. fodder. Uh, and that's the issue. Like when, when we're going through Christmas, um, where there is a perceived threat of rotation, um, uh, there's a common consensus that it's never as bad as it actually is. But um, you still want to have two or three playing assets on your bench i think yeah and there is a risk at the moment that we to get these big at the back players and maintain the decent players in our the rest of our side that we sacrifice some of our bench um at christmas where rotation is potentially heavy so that's the problem do i go antonio for a playing player like king and have some money in the bank left over or just go to like a 4.7 or something and have bench fodder, which is, you know, not appealing considering Douglas Douglas Louise is also sitting on my bench and permanently injured. So it's like Liveramento is the saviour on my bench, but I guarantee he's going to start conceding a few goals when when Saints fixtures get a little bit worse. So definitely want to mull over. Uh, my perception is if you want to sell Antonio, like I'm kind of thinking about it, it wouldn't <laughs> be the worst move ever. But... Um, uh, and if you had to bring in West Ham player back in, you can start thinking about Bowen or Fornells as maybe some some better value options. I don't think Antonio is a must must hold right now, uh, but maybe that's some you know recency bias and all that sort of stuff. But let's move on and talk about the last chart of the uh, the day before we look at our bus teams for next week. And this is uh, the shot map. This is our average shot distance for the players who are shooting the most in the entire league. And so this is filtered on uh, 13 shots minimum. So all of these players have 13 shots or more. And uh, we've got the, obviously, the players shooting closest to goals within within uh, 12 yards, and that's Benteke, Josh King, Watkins, Foden, Aubameyang. And before I got to Foden, it's like, it's the typical striker that sort of hangs by the penalty spot and shoots, and that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, Foden is shooting... Within 12 yards, I think it might have been even shorter than that. So that's a massive, a massive thing for me. If, if anyone's even thinking about selling Foden, just look at this and go, yeah, I, I want a bit of that. Um, what I would say is the, the circles around the players uh, just indicate that breakdown of the type of shots that they're having. Uh, yellow is shots blocked, red is shots off target. I mean, we've got Benteke there with a massive proportion of shots off target. Uh, and in green, we've got a sh- <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of like oh yeah, that, my my trepidation about bringing in Benteke is summarised in this this one infographic. Um, the green is the shots on target, and that little white section with the border is the number of goals that they've scored in um, obviously the shots on target. So you can uh, you can look at their 
uh, conversion rate while you do it. Uh, you've got Cancelo at the bottom there with with, uh, with zero goals. He hasn't hasn't converted any yet, uh, but you can see that he's he's shooting a lot. And I mean, it's, it's amazing that Chilwell and Cancelo are on this chart being defenders uh, in the top what is it nineteen players in the game. So, I mean, just to echo the numerous times that we've said this stream that wingbacks are good value (laughs) i'm not sure you need too much more evidence um does anyone stick out on that chart as um someone that might be flying under the radar for you uh by the way um for the viewers uh, the reason i'm looking down is uh, i'm looking at all the charts kind of through you know my phone so it's uh it's down here um don't mean to be rude or anything um but ted this chart is really cool um, I need to give, I need to give you a shout out for this because uh, really well made. And um, I hope you did you post this on Twitter yet? Because I definitely want to have this in in my uh, FPL I list. Do. I guess I okay, will cool. do. Yeah, I will do. Post yeah, it everybody later. definitely check this out later. Um, I didn't analyze it enough to really just pick out anybody, but I like how Foden's in there because he's in my team, and uh, it's always good when someone in your team's inside the twelve yard box. So. Um, nice to see that there. And I didn't realize Benteke was missing that many shots off target. So um, my thoughts have changed slightly. Uh, but uh, it's just maybe... it's a, what I love about stats is that you can paint mm. a picture how you want to mm. paint it. And you need to look at it at numerous angles for it to actually make sense. True. And, um, mm. you know, looking at Benteke in that last chart, he looks like one of the best forward options. And I look at this and obviously he's obviously shooting lots shooting lots and he's close to goal but you kind of know through previous experience that he does miss a lot and that's particularly <laughs> evident here um although there's a lot will, of shots on time i will well. say the one that stands out a lot to me is harry kane how far back he is for a premium striker that's very worrying you know um his, con- his conversion rate's uh, poor as well look at that tiny yeah. little white yep yep um, you know, it's comparative to Ivan Tony and um, Adam Armstrong, Dan James, everyone around in around the room in, in that vicinity. They really haven't been converting. And it is, you're right, it is a little bit worrying when you see a player who's moving further and further back in that average shot position. Um, obviously, it's, it's worth saying that this is a massive average of what Kane's 16 shots so at the weekend we saw Kane shooting a few really close to goal and that's going to bring that average forward but so it definitely not worth saying that oh yeah all of Kane's shots are outside the box or whatever that's definitely not the case um but certainly when the proportion is is outside the box that's definitely something to, to think about um but yeah Foden for me definitely is a keep uh Chilwell in the next shooting 12 to 14 <laughs> yards out unbelievable and his conversion rate's pretty yeah. good you know, um, uh, don't you feel, oh, you don't have Chowal, but I feel like I got robbed this week. I, you know, he hit the post in the first, what, five minutes, and uh, he was looking real dangerous. I think offside goal as well, so, yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. the fact that they had two disallowed goals where Chilwell yeah. got the assist for Pulisic and Dan, uh, sorry, um, Reese James. James, yep. What a goal that was. Uh, just, <laughs> sadly, both of them offside. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... It, if you just if you didn't watch the game and you saw oh Chilwell's got another nine ten pointer Dan uh, Reese James has got uh, another twelve pointer you yeah. go oh they're essential but watching the game and seeing yeah. the disallowed stuff was even more apparent yeah. that you just need them in your team yeah but yeah so Antonio there next to Chilwell and what what is that like three shots on target and one goal from them is just 
ridiculous and mm. it puts me off him even more to to think that the amount of shots blocked the amount of shots off target it's just it just strikes me as someone who's not feeling it at the moment and yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're trying to accumulate all of this, all of this information to, to make fpl decisions about our team but yeah i'm really siding i'm really tempted towards selling antonio i really really am and i'm not sure whether that will bite me in the ass going forwards but mm. yeah the more and more i look at it i'm like that's probably the move i'm gonna make um but then you've got bowen like further wrong you know reshooting yeah 100 percent. like four more shots than antonio lots of shots on target a bigger conversion rate he could definitely be a um you know an alternative so what what are your thoughts on bowen or even for nows for that matter the rest of that west ham team look i that's a great great question because you know i one thing i want to say to you is i know you're trying to get chill by moving antonio down but have you thought about how to bring antonio back and i i've thought about that question in my team and i don't i don't know how i'm gonna get him back really so I might have to forfeit him in game week 16 and 18. Um, I mean, there's a common narrative of like, okay, maybe Kane to Kane to Ronaldo is a bit easier because their price points are similar, but it's hard for me to go from Tony to Antonio unless I make 2 million elsewhere and I'm very happy with my team right now, right? So that leaves me with Bowen. And um, I like the look of Bowen. I honestly, if their fixtures were good this week, I might've brought him now because... Uh, uh, he's actually make, looking much more threatening than than Antonio in 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 many circumstances. So um, I think Bowman's a great option. And looking at your graph, it's uh, pretty convincing that you know he's had a lot of shots blocked, not off target, which is uh which has got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, many more shots on target too. So I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. encouraging for people. Uh, he must be really really low owned as well. So a massive differential, mm-hmm. uh, complete contrast to Antonio, who still managed to maintain a lot of ownership. Uh, even while blanking plenty of time so if you you know if you feel like you've missed the bus I, I don't think it's like that much of a big deal to get off Antonio now um, with Man City and Chelsea in the next three um, as you say we have to think about how to bring him back so for me I have Raul Jimenez he's about 7.7 something like that um, and after the next two um then maybe I can upgrade Jimenez back to Antonio if I really wanted mm. to. Obviously, I lose a little bit of team value, but uh, you know it's not not you know the end of the world. And and if Antonio continues to struggle, then I don't need to rush to bring him back in. So definitely something to concentrate on. Um, another player I want to talk about here is is Trossard, and he is definitely a player that flies under the radar most of the time. But he's the second most shots in the entire league, and um, twenty one. And Salah's got 23. Uh, plenty of shots on target. Obviously, his conversion isn't that great when you compare it to Salah's. But Brighton doesn't don't have like particularly bad fixtures. And um, he might play or might continue to play in this sort of false nine role where Morpai used to occupy. What do, you, what do you make of Trossard? Is he someone that you could consider? I, I don't think so, because I think his, um, like you said, conversion rate's not good enough. But... Um... You know, he's he's a good player. He, he's obviously a great player. But when you actually look into Brighton's fixtures, the next six especially, uh, it's not too convincing. You know, they have West Ham, Tottenham, um, you know, United in, in six game weeks. So they might be a little different. Wolves are looking good. 
you know, lead Southampton, maybe there's an opportunity here, but I, maybe I see two or three decent fixtures in the next six. Um, so when you come, when it comes to players like this, you really kind of have to attack the fixtures. And I don't think his fixtures are good enough to, to warrant him in your team. That's completely fine. Let's not dwell too much more on Trossard. Although I was kind of impressed that he's having loads of shots, but mm. now that's completely fair enough. And I think, you know, our midfielder, pretty full of the likes of Foden and Jota and Son and Gallagher's and all these sorts of players. There's no reason to get off them, I think. Um, so moving to the likes of Trossard seems a little bit counterintuitive, but, um, you know, he's certainly doing himself justice in the stats department. So let's give him a little bit of credit there. Um, For sure. So the players that shoot further out who are shooting often, I mean, Adam Armstrong has always been in this position on this shot, on this shot map all the way through the season and for owners i think you obviously can be encouraged why the amount that he's been shooting but the amount of shots are on target pretty pretty low and that conversion rate is poor so it's one of those things that if there was another option to go to i would think about moving adam adam armstrong on what what about we've been through saints fixtures earlier but i couldn't remember whether they were that good i think they were sort of middling right so it's one of those <laughs> you could move to Ben Tekkett if you really wanted to um I'm not sure how <laughs> legitimate I feel about recommending Ben Tekkett as an option but um it's worrying that Adam Armstrong is shooting from pretty far out let's yeah. just say that yeah um, look they they have Liverpool next so just wait wait a one more week and then and then maybe assess but you know I I, I wouldn't go there mm. yeah I completely agree uh, so we've got Kane there we talked about. We've done Spurs to death today. I mean, Dan James, I'm not sure many people are going to be bringing him in. I mean, Rafinha seems like the go-to option at at, um, at Leeds. Uh, I think that's not one to think about. And Rafinha is obviously on this chart as well, having even missed a game. So you can see that how far out he's been shooting. And, and you could argue that Rafinha's goals this season, have a few of them have been a little bit tad fortunate, especially crosses that tend to have sort of been from outside the box and have gone through. Uh, ending in the back of the net but I'm just I'm just so amazed that Chilwell and Cancelo are on this chart is just completely <laughs> unheard of so I mean I think we've done stats to death so let's let's uh, look to end the video soon by uh, looking at our bus teams for game week 13 and after all that we've discussed whether any of that might influence our transfer <laughs> plans so let's start with you, Andy. We've got uh, a 4-3-3 formation with that magic back four. Talk us through it. Yeah, again, very temporary. Um, a lot can happen this week, especially with Champions League fixtures. Um, very happy to own Huang. If I'm a Jimenez owner, I'm ecstatic because uh, Jimenez is looking great. He's um, in the middle and got two great fixtures. Huang's playing super wide now and and doing a lot of defensive coverage. So um, you know, he's not playing that classic lage two top role right now. Um, so, but regardless, I'm going to start him because, um, it, it, it's just the fixtures are good and wolves are right up there. I think what sixth or seventh or top five in the league right now. So, um, they're looking good. Ramsdale and goal for me back for the Avengers, um, you know, <laughs> Salah captain, no doubt about it. Um, you know, on, on the captaincy real quick, like if you're in a good position, especially maybe let's say 200k and in there's just no no reason to go elsewhere right um there's just such a high risk to um play against that eo so um i like salah 
as a captain plus he just looks great right now so um, i completely agree with you mm-hmm. I, I honestly personally really love that salah is perma captained by everyone yeah. uh yes yeah. he that green arrow that he might give us as captain is is much smaller but what it does is facilitate the rest of the team to be re- i can support the rest of my team every single week and that's absolutely joyous as an fpl owner the amount of times where effective ownership means i can't support any of my team just makes fpl less fun for me so yeah, ted exactly i'm going to echo that because i i remember you know hearing this in in a pod somewhere where this was a you know top hall of fame manager saying how if he could change one thing in fpl it would be to get rid of captaincy and i see the logic there right because captaincy makes it fun right you can you can obviously haul with your differential but it also limits you from uh structuring your team and and playing uh, a little more aggressive here and there. And what this perma captaincy does to us is it allows us to uh, really kind of attack the points with the team around us, uh, which p- puts more emphasis on making sure you have a strong starting 11 and, and a pretty decent bench coming off a- as well. So uh, I like this perma captaincy actually right now. Um, so yeah. And then Jota Foden in the middle. Um Worried about both of them. I think both of them are injury right now, so we'll see how that works out. Um, and then Kane. Or oh, don't know about Tony. sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I think the Fo- I think the Foden one. Yes, he had a knock pre-game. They was talking the presser, oh, okay. but I'm pretty sure that he was just bought off early because they've got a big Champions League game midweek. Okay. And I True. think I think Pep just values him as a like one of these players that he wants to play in week in week out. And I think yeah. he was just managing that potential knock at the start of the game. So. Fingers crossed for folded owners that we have nothing to worry about. I think he'll play midweek and he'll he'll play at the weekend against West Ham as well. So yeah, sorry, go yeah. on. Uh, so last comment is um yeah by the way Foden's only twenty one we have to remember he's he's a young lad so uh, uh, I'm sure he's willing to play every game. Um so yeah my question to you is I have two free transfers and I don't know what to do. Um I missed out again on the Gallagher move because I should have just done done it on Saturday and Bumo to Gallagher ride on the money. Uh, but now I'm point one short, which means I have to downgrade elsewhere. I really don't know where to downgrade. I mean, maybe I could get rid of the Brentford boys and and do something something wild here. But so, how much is uh, Huang yeah. in your in your team? Is I he, could get rid of Huang. Yeah, he's five point eight, something like that. Yeah, I bought him for five point five. So um, at his initial price. Mm. Okay, so you probably you can sell him five point six. Well, I wonder whether you can downgrade Umbermo and upgrade Huang to someone. Um, mm. Maybe maybe Jimenez, if you like Jimenez. It might be a bit of a sideways move, but if you really think that Jimenez is the better option in that Wolves team against a really couple of tasty fixtures, Norwich and Burnley, then maybe that's the move. Although, I don't really like bringing in a player that is going to play for just two games in your side and you're going to have to move him out again. So... Maybe those are your two make weights. Otherwise, mm. it would be like Brown Hill to some boring 4.5 player who's mm. um, he's probably a little bit more attacking, but such a really boring transfer because he's just going to be third on your bench every week anyway. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I really like your side. I think a lot of people will be moving towards your team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think Son owners might be looking going, right, I made the wrong decision there. Maybe Kane is the better option. And uh, moving towards that back four as well, I think it's. I think you you're really not fortunate, really in a good place to have two free transfers and not 
not to know what to do with them. I think it's yeah, a really, yeah. It's yeah really I don't good. know what to do. I honestly think I'm going to burn it. Yeah. Oh my God. No, Crazy, don't do huh? it. That's I know. I don't know what to do. I re- because how can you get rid of Huang before Norwich? You know, like, can you, can you do Umbermo down to, I don't know. Um... I, I like it. I love that idea. Um, and I was thinking about doing that to Jimenez, but I don't think I have enough money. Um, because 0.4 and Bumo to the lowest. Is that 4.4 million is the lowest? No, but the it? issue with that is I would have Brownhill plus another bench ah, fodder. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But you'd have an awesome team. <laughs> awesome Don't do starting this to me, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll consider it. I'll consider it. Yeah. Love it. I mean, yeah, I'm jealous of that side. I feel like my side is like the rung below your team uh let's, let's have a mm. let's finish off by looking at my side um last one before we before we end so i want to bring in Chilwell. i think he's just so dangerous i can i think you were spot on earlier when you said that you felt unlucky that you didn't get more from Chilwell, and he could have easily had way more and like way a more world mm. record defender score i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> when <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. So I, I want you well. I, I don't know who to sacrifice. It would probably be Antonio, maybe for the next three games. Uh, could be a massive mistake, but I just feel so unenamored by Antonio's stats, and the eye test doesn't doesn't even back that up either. He's popping up on the wing, and yeah, he's just an annoying own. I think so. My, my moves will probably be Ben White up to up to uh, Ben Chilwell, and Antonio down to I don't know. Either a fodder like Dennis at Watford or Josh King, who's slightly more expensive uh, and probably more of a legitimate option. And that leaves me some money in the bank to consider uh, going forwards. But I think Salah, Salah captain is pretty obvious. Uh, I think most people will do that. I'm pretty happy to own Jimenez for, for Norwich. But yeah, it's, it's crazy that Wolves are like fifth or sixth in the table. Yeah. And they haven't really been that prolific scoring yeah. goals so i mean credit to bruno large uh under credit the radar, to bruno large. Mm-hmm. for sure okay yeah. we'll leave it there but thank you so much for joining me and uh i think we've had a great discussion about stats i feel super informed now that we've managed to digest all of that information but yeah hopefully all at your home you've been watching have got something out of that uh thank you for joining us in the chat and um yeah i will catch you soon andy and best of luck for game week 13 likewise enjoyed it uh ted Wonderful. Well, we'll have you back at some point. And um, yeah, if I don't speak to you for the next few weeks, hopefully you have plenty of green arrows. Thank you.